I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. We're just a few days from December, and the Vancouver real estate market continues to post some really strong numbers. In a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty to talk real estate. That's coming up, but first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. It was a bad week for the Hudson's Bay Department Store at Coquitlam Center, but it is open again after it abruptly shut its doors last weekend because of unpaid rent. But late this week, after a court decision, uh, they have ruled that HBC will only have to pay 50% of the rent that is owned. And so now it's back open. The 350-year-old retailer that's owned by an American investment firm has struggled to pay rent across Canada, but they now say they've made agreements with the majority of the Bay's landlords right across the country. Whistler Mountain opened uh, this week for skiing, but it's been pretty quiet. Provincial health officials have instructed everyone to stay in their regions to stop the transmission of COVID. And that means skiing and snowboarding on local mountains. So if you live in Vancouver, that means sticking to Cypress, Grouse, or Mount Seymour. Whistler Blackcomb is limiting lift ticket sales to allow more space for physical distancing while face coverings are required to access the mountain. And if you collect sports memorabilia, this is pretty cool. It's a rare Vancouver millionaire sweater believed to have belonged to Hall of Fame goalie Hugh Lehman, who backstopped the Vancouver Millionaires to a Pacific Coast Hockey Association championship in 1922-23. Mike Hefner, president of Leland's Auction, says there were only about 15 of these jerseys originally made, so it's amazing that one is still around. And it's in excellent condition with the original wood buttons, remnants of the tag, and of course the iconic Millionaire's V logo. Last time I looked, the top bid for the piece of hockey history was over 3,000 US dollars, but it's expected to go for about 10 grand. U.S. And uh, I, I can't believe this, but we're just a few days away from December. And uh, usually it's a pretty quiet time for real estate, but this market just continues to chug along. And that's why we want to talk to our next guest, guest, an expert when it comes to the buying and selling of homes. John Carlson from 2% Realty, johnnysmartpoint.com. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. Thanks for that good introduction. Oh, great. Well, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website, and uh, you can also give uh, John a call at 604-612-0080. And uh, as we were saying, uh, this is the the last show for you of the year, but you're going to be on uh, CKNW quite a bit next year. So you're kind of looking to 2021, uh, and you're also looking towards probably, I'm guessing, a busier Christmas season than you're used to. Yes, uh, the focus for me right now, and I'm sure a lot of other uh, real estate agents, is finishing up this year strong because uh, a lot of us have some loose ends uh, in terms of uh, clients who have maybe sold homes and are looking to buy and need to get into a place so they're not homeless. Uh, there are still some listing calls coming in, and I, I welcome calls from anyone out there who might want to talk about selling their home uh, in December because, uh, you know, it, when it comes to 2020, and we've talked about this a number of times, the story of the year is the third and the fourth quarter. And uh, again, when you have a busy summer and fall, 
the winter tends to follow along that trend because again, people have sold and need to buy. And, and what I'm finding right now is that there is a lot of interest in the market and the inventory levels are still somewhat low. So uh, yeah, there's a, there's a ton of life left out there right now. And uh, as you mentioned, we're heading into December. Christmas tends to be the time when uh, people put real estate on, on hold for a little while and the weather's not the best. So I'm thinking we've probably got another three weeks of good solid market. Um, and all indications are that the spring market of 2021 uh, should also be busy. Well, since this is your last show of 2020, and uh, as I say, you're going to be on quite a bit in 2021, uh, why don't we kind of look back on probably one of the weirdest years on record in the Lower Mainland? I'm, I'm sure that it, it was a strange year for you, uh, real estate-wise. Um, I mean, looking back, are, are you surprised at the way it went or does it all make perfect sense? Well, I don't know if anything ever makes perfect sense uh, in this business. Um, but of course, like everyone, I was very surprised when the COVID thing took, uh, took a hit, say, in, in, in middle of March and things started to shut down and slow down. And it became pretty clear that uh, it was not going to be business as usual going forward. Um, at that time, of course, you know, I was talking to a bunch of people in the mortgage industry and uh, CMHC and other uh, insiders and, and trying to get a feel for what was happening and what was going to happen. Um, of course, I discussed things with other agents as well and try to get a feel for what's going on. And the, the feeling basically was back in the spring that we were going to have a little bit of a slowdown. And if you look at the numbers for March and April and May, they were not very good. Uh, but as I've said many times, the real estate market locally is a, a bit of a beast. It's hard to keep it down. And uh, the, the demand for properties, you know, was still there. So uh, we started to see a change in the summer of 2020. And, uh, you know, some people, it, it was kind of a tiered, if you will, response uh, return back to the market. Some people were, I'm sure, saying, hey, you know, this is not for me. I don't want strangers in my house. I don't want to move. I might have thought about selling my house and moving, but I'm not going to do it now. On the other hand, other people started to get a little more comfortable and take a little bit of trust and faith in the protective measures that, you know, that, that the industry and people throughout generally were taking. Uh, and they started to feel a little bit safer. And we started to see a return to the market and uh, listings started to bloom. And suddenly, I would say uh, towards the end of the summer uh, and September in particular, which was a banner year, it seemed like it all kind of came together. All of that pent-up demand that was frustrated in the spring, a lot of it started to uh, appear in the market. Listings started to happen. Interest rates, you know, continued to drop. And from September to today has been uh, just a roller, uh, just a roller coaster ride, if you will. It's been a busy, busy, busy time where people have said, "Hey, I'm getting into the market. I'm ready to buy. I'm ready to sell." And the inventory levels being somewhat limited have you know, resulted in prices through pretty much throughout across the segments, uh, increasing one or 2% um, and uh, activity being strong. So right now the indications are we're going to be busy for a little while and I've been enjoying that. But like a lot of agents, my listing inventory has gotten quite low. Uh, so I'm open to talking to anyone who might want to uh, take part in the market that's happening right now. And that's, I guess, the story now is inventory because uh, there's a lot of people who want to sell, but they have to go somewhere. And if there's nowhere to buy, that's a problem. Can be, yes. Uh, you know, I, I have clients, uh, and I'm sure others do, other agents as well, where it's a bit of a logjam, if you will. Um, for instance, if you're in an affordable uh, townhouse uh, in, say, Coquitlam or, you know, uh, Maple Ridge or Langley, uh, some of these areas, and you want to 
buy a house maybe up to a million dollars that has a basement suite maybe for a rental, uh, and you're looking to upsize. Well, I know a number of people that would love to put their townhouse on the market because it would be very easy to sell it right now, but they're a little bit concerned that if the inventory continues to be slow to hit the market and we have Christmas and bad weather and things coming, that they might get stuck in a point where they've sold, but they don't have anywhere to go. And you know, the flip side of that is in a, in a more balanced market sometimes where there's a lot more inventory to look at, a seller, uh, I'm sorry, a buyer of a house might say, hey, you know, let's do an offer subject to the sale of our townhouse, then we can list. Well, that hasn't worked for people either because oftentimes if you're looking at an affordable house in a good area with say maybe a secondary accommodation, you might be up against three or four or five or six other offers and a subject to sale really has no chance in that kind of a situation. So, uh, you know, there are people who I think would have liked to have entered the market in this time that's picked up. But again, you've got to look at the landscape and, and make a careful decision about how you want to proceed because nobody wants to be living on the streets and uh, nobody wants to own two houses and have to make payments on two houses if, you know, things start to get spooky out there. Yeah, no doubt. John Carlson is our guest. It's Vancouver Consumer on CKNW and John Carlson is with 2% Realty. You can go to johnnysmartpoint.com. Uh, his website, you can give him a call too, 604-612-0080 or send him an email, info at johnnysmartpoint.com. And and talking about the last year and COVID, um, one thing that uh, is, was kind of a wild card that I think a lot of people probably couldn't predict is how the pandemic affected the way we think of our homes. Because not only uh, suddenly we're spending a lot more time at home, um, because of all the telecommuting and the Zoom technology, uh, a lot of people are realizing that location, the, the demands of location have changed. Like you can work from home and that, that's caused a big ripple in the real estate market, I'm guessing. It has actually. And, you know, that's one of the, the nice things, I guess you could say, about um, doing what I do and, and being able to talk to people from all over the place in different situations about you know, their plans, real estate and moving and retirement. And I can tell you that, um, yeah, the COVID uh, situation really has people rethinking a lot of their lives, uh, not just real estate. But yeah, the trends definitely seem to indicate that, you know, I, I get people calling me and they say, you know, I'm, I was thinking about staying in the city, but, you know, everything's closed now and my job situation has changed so that I can work at home. And I, I think maybe what I'd rather do is take that same amount of money that I could spend on a smaller place here and maybe move out a little bit further and get a, a property or a house with, a, with my own, uh, you know, with my own uh, office space to work in. And, and maybe I don't have to worry about the commute. So maybe I can do these things or maybe I'll take an early retirement because, uh, you know, timing wise, I would just like to get out of the city. So there's no 100% truths in any of those. Everybody has their own idea uh, and, and uh, personal situations of what they're going to do. But that has, has been a trend. Uh, and I think you hit it right on the head when you said people are rethinking their, you know, their living quarters and their, their living environment and, and where they want to spend the next number of years. So uh, I do see that. Great question. Yes. Yeah. So 2021 is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, and one of the things uh, that, of course, has a huge impact on real estate. Um, most people understand interest rates. Uh, they're at an all-time low. So what do you, you're, obviously you're not in the prediction game, but what are you thinking for real estate or for uh, interest rates and how will that affect the market in 2021? Well, I'm not an economist, of course, but um, 
you know, interest rates have dropped to well under 2% on a fixed five-year term. Um, and you can get variable rates that are somewhat lower than that, I understand. Um, and as you mentioned, the cost of borrowing money, most people that buy a, a piece of real estate are borrowing some money. Uh, when the interest rates go lower, it's easier to borrow the money. You can borrow more of it and that fuels the market. And that's been one of the major pieces of the puzzle that has helped the second half of 2020 really be an outstanding real estate market for sellers. Uh, but again, not being an economist, I would suggest that uh, it would appear that uh, economic growth is probably going to be somewhat limited. There's even talk about maybe recessions coming, if uh, depending on how our economy responds to the COVID slowdown. So uh, from that perspective, I would say that interest rates are not likely to increase anytime soon. And uh, given the fact that, uh, you know, I personally know a number of people who might have jumped into the market in September, October, November, but were a little bit scared that they might not find what they're looking for. I think those kind of people, when the spring comes, and again, the caveat here is that if COVID stays under control, uh, I think those people will uh, be ready to jump in to the market again in the early part of the spring. And to me, that says that we're probably going to have a very healthy start with low interest rates, uh, demand, hopefully a little bit more inventory and maybe a little bit more of a balanced market. But I'm very optimistic about uh, 2021. Uh, even though there may be some economic uh, gray clouds in our future, right now everything is looking as if it will carry on again in the spring. And I was just reading about the Vancouver market. Um, finally, they say more condos are coming on the market. And you've been talking over the past few weeks and months about the trend for these little micro apartments in downtown not being as popular as they were. And it uh, kind of speaks to what we were just talking about, how people don't have to be downtown. What uh, what do you foresee as a trend? Like, what what are the hottest properties right now? And what do you see to be the hottest properties in 2021? Well, uh, again, real estate is a supply and demand business, and it kind of depends where you are. Some areas, uh, talking about the condo market, are, are still ra rather saturated with new developments. Others, uh, not so much. Uh, the condo market has been healthy just with the rest of the market, um, but uh, it has kind of got hit with a double whammy. There is the, uh, the whole idea that COVID and hallways and elevators might you lead some people to think, hey, maybe maybe it's not right for me at this time. And then there's the insurance issue where, you know, even brand new or newer buildings have insurance premiums going up and uh, maintenance fees going up. So that was part of that part of the thing. But to answer your question, I see a continuation of the trend that we've seen in the last few months, which is affordable detached properties, particularly those with uh, secondary suites. You know, you can put mom and dad down there or you can have a tenant and help pay your mortgage. Those type of properties, affordable townhomes where you maybe don't have a hallway and an elevator, but you pull into your own garage and go into your own attached unit. Those properties in the affordable range are really, really uh, uh, sought after right now. And I think that that will continue. Um, whenever you have a, a sought after property with limited inventory, you tend to see prices jump up a little bit. And uh, on my last number of listings over the last two or three months in affordable segments like these, uh, the prices have uh, have increased. For instance, a townhome that might have sold for six hundred thousand in um, in July might sell for six fifty or six seventy five today, simply because you know interest rates are low and the demand is high. So, if you had to ask me to pick, I'm going to say that condos are going to stay relatively level. They're going to be a great option for certain people, and that's not going to change. Uh, but the trend towards detached and attached homes, I think, is going to continue, and uh, that will probably be the strongest segment of the market um, 
maybe slightly out of town into the suburbs uh, a little bit more. Those areas seem to be pretty hot. I think that'll continue. Um, is the website. And uh, John, you are, are very excited. Uh, you, you have sold over a thousand homes and uh, the new listings are coming up all the time. You have a new listing you're really excited about. I do actually, and this is a great time to announce it. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, um, I have a new, brand new listing I want to announce. It's uh, it's a detached house that probably a teardown, although it could be renovated uh, downtown in, in Vancouver. The address is 2865 Turner Street, and that's a half a block from Renfrew and not too far from the PNE. And just a, a fantastic neighborhood. It's so what we're really looking at here is a 33 by 155 foot lot. So a nice big deep lot. We're looking at detached garages. You know, uh, all kinds of uh, potential there with the RS1 zoning. There's a lane in the back. Uh, the list price is 1.3 million. Uh, we've got the listing on the market, but it won't be uh, viewable until tomorrow, Sunday. Um, and it's by appointment only with agents. If someone doesn't have an agent, they can give me a call and I'll be happy to make the arrangement. Uh, but we're going to start showing this house uh, Sunday and we're going to be looking at offers on December 5th. And this is an opportunity for those people out there who uh, want to build a brand new house uh, with maybe secondary accommodation and have all the benefits of that great big lot. It's a south-facing home. Uh, and I anticipate the the um, the activity is going to be really strong and we're already getting, you know, really good inquiries about it. So if you've been hunting for a while for that perfect spot, that perfect building lot, this could be at 2865 Turner Street. It's listed at 1.3 million. And I invite anybody to send me an email or give me a call if you like. We're going to start the showings on it tomorrow. So that's the one I wanted to to put out there. Info at johnnysmartpoint.com dot com is uh, the email or just go to johnnysmartport.com the website uh, because that neighborhood is great i uh, i often go to the dog park new brighton park right ah, yes. at the foot of uh, the second narrows bridge and uh, that neighborhood it seems to me that uh, that neighborhood is is red hot these days it is the walk score is is fantastic i mean it's it's a spot that is really sought after and so i was quite fortunate actually and uh, I'll say hi to, to Catherine and Michelle right now. Uh, thank you. They heard me on this program and uh, it's their mother's home. So uh, what we're going to do is uh, let the market take a look at it. And I think the market's going to receive it very, very well. But I wanted to say hi to Catherine and Michelle and uh, and uh, we'll, we'll find out on December 5th exactly how things go that way. But yeah, fantastic neighborhood. And, uh, you know, it's hard to sometimes find the right spot to put your talents and money together to put a, a brand new house. There's, there's quite a number of newer homes on that street. And this one will be the next one to, um, uh, to have that opportunity. Oh, it sounds like a, it sounds like a good neighborhood. Um, so when people are thinking of selling their homes, like, like they were, uh, and they heard it on Vancouver consumer, which I'm very happy about, um, if people go to uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, your website, uh, they, can, they can request a free market evaluation. So what does that mean? Uh, a mark, what do you do when you do a market evaluation? And, you know, any agent will do a free market evaluation, just so you know. I mean, but yes, uh, I put myself out there to help people decide if they maybe want to sell. So oftentimes I'll get an email in my inbox or someone will call me and say, hey, we're, we're giving a thought to selling our property. Uh, we need an agent who is experienced and knows the market and can give us good advice. But of course, we need to know some numbers. And uh, oftentimes, I'll, I'll go out and take a look at, at a property. Uh, usually in person, I can social distance and wear masks and have hand sanitizers. Uh, actually, later today, I'll be doing a, a Zoom call. 
uh, with uh, someone who wanted an evaluation. And without actually going inside the condo, I'm going to kind of take a look through a Zoom call and give them a rough idea. But I always like to actually physically be on site before I give them a number that I hang my hat on. Uh, but generally speaking, I need to take a look at the property and gather all the information about it. And then I compare to, you know, the database in terms of what's available, what's selling, uh, what recent ones have sold for. And given my experience of whatever the area and situation might be, I sometimes make some suggestions about how uh, a sale might take place and what a list price might be. So this is the kind of information that I think a lot of people want. They don't they don't always just, you know, they don't want to be committed when they haven't met a realtor. That's one thing I've I learned a long time ago. They want to have the ability to talk to somebody. Uh, they don't want to have to be committed to sign any papers or, or be pressured in any way. But it's kind of it's a job interview. You know, if I'm always honored if someone gives me a call and wants to talk to me about you know what I think about the situation. And uh, in the end, if they think I'm someone that they'd like to work with, then they can hire me. But the evaluation part of it is is up front. Uh, when I meet people, I have a duty to talk about agency. And when I meet someone for the first time, I don't have any formal agency relationship with them. So, you know, if they want to keep their confidences and not tell me certain things, that's that's absolutely fine. If at some point they do want to enter into an agency relationship, I owe them the duties of confidentiality and full disclosure of everything I know. Um, and generally at that time, you know, we that's the times when we're getting the, the listing documents out and we're getting the house ready to put on the market and we've got a strategy and we're ready to go. So uh, the market evaluation can be as little as sending an email of recent sales in your condo building to give you an idea what the recent stuff is happening, or it could be as much as meeting on site and doing a, a full evaluation and coming up with a strategy to sell that includes timing, pricing, marketing, all that sort of stuff. John Carlson, if that sounds good, go to johnnysmartpoint.com and uh, talk to John. Um, because... The stakes are always very high in real estate, especially when you're selling a home. But in this market, um, there's a lot of tricky things, and uh, you know the stakes are very high. There's a lot of money, and 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 it can be a, a difference of quite a few thousand dollars. How important is experience um, in in your real estate person? Well, that's a good question. I, I I would think that anyone out there listening who has a career might. Uh, consider how important experience is in their own particular line of work, yeah. and I would suggest that most people would would think that that experience is is is, is crucial. And uh, maybe in real estate, it's it's kind of funny because you know maybe a person's been in the business a long, long time, but they haven't been doing much lately. Well, current experience is probably the most important thing because knowing what's going on in a changing landscape at any given time is one of the key factors that will allow an agent to give a client good advice. Um, so if, you, if you're not really, if you don't have your finger on the pulse of what's going on, it'll be a little bit harder to, to give that advice. Um, so again, experience is key, I think. Um, and, and one thing that uh, I mentioned Catherine a little bit earlier, one thing she mentioned is she said she wanted a realtor that listens to her. I think it's also really important for an agent, not just to be there to tell things to a client, but to, to listen to what the goals are and what the situation is. And based on you know, gathering a, a relatively full understanding of what the client wants to achieve. At that point, I think a good agent can can apply his or her experience and opinions to find a solution. And uh, the good news is that in this kind of a market, uh, you know, it, it's it's hard to go too wrong. But on the other hand, uh, you can, like you say, leave a lot of money on the table if you don't handle things correctly, because this is a high stakes uh, uh, business. 
Uh, there's a lot of money, uh, personal equity, and the futures of families are on the line with this equity in the home. So having an, a, a proven professional who knows how to get the job done and can get you the best possible results, I would say is probably the best first step you can make if you're looking at selling a home locally. We're talking to John Carlson from johnnysmartpoint.com, 2% Realty. And you said something to me about a month ago when we talked that I thought was really interesting. And it sort of speaks to your experience as a, a real estate professional. You talked about the story of every property and how you would listen to to the seller. And the stories are often different. And you you need you need a, your job is to tell the story. Like maybe it's a it's a property that's close to a school or maybe it's close to to a, a recreation area. So every property to you kind of has a story that you that you sell. Yeah, yes. Um, and you know every seller knows more about their property and the surrounding area than I do about their property, you know? So when I meet people and it comes time to, you know, really do an evaluation and figure out what the angle is and what, you know, what, what strengths you're going to lead with, because you want to lead with your strengths. If you, if you want your property to look good and you want to attract the right kind of buyer, you need to project the best parts of your property to attract the right people and to justify your price. So what I generally do is I say to, to my clients at that point, hey, why did you buy this property? What do you like about this neighborhood? What do you like about this house? And oftentimes they'll tell me things that I had no idea, whether it's about the construction of the home or um, some of the maybe hidden benefits that I hadn't thought about. So, I mean, that's a, you know, if, if you go to the doctor, you, you know, you want the doctor to listen to what you have to say so he or she can make the right diagnosis. And it's not that much different uh, with an agent. Uh, I want to know everything about that house that I possibly can know. And then together, I don't decide, but together we talk it through and we come up with a with a best marketing strategy and a, and a price point and positioning so that we can, you know, maximize everything and communicate that value to the buyers. And of course, it's worth mentioning at this point, the commission. You can save some money on commission with 2% Realty and uh, johnnysmartpoint.com, the website, uh, has a, a thing on the website where you can actually figure out the price of the property and what you might save in commission. And uh, you're quick to point out that you are a full service real estate agent. You you will do everything it takes. And and things like every everybody does photographs and those kind of things. But how important is that presentation, the photographs, all the, the presentation materials? How important is that in selling a home? Well, first of all, I, I want to be clear. There are no set commission rates. And when I say that I save people money, it, you know, I do compared to the vast majority of other agents out there who charge 7% of the first $100,000 sale and, and two and a half of the balance. So, you know, I just want to quantify that there. There are different business models out there. But in general, compared to the majority of agents, I save, you know, maybe 30 or 40% commissions. And that's yeah. real money after tax money in your pockets. That's a lot of but, money. Well, it is. It can be. That's for sure. And, and uh, you know, I don't take that lightly. People, you know, they want to keep their equity. And my job is to do a good job for them and help them keep as much as they possibly can. And that's been one of the reasons, uh, you know, that I've been kept busy. Uh, and that's really the, the, the heart of the smart point. The first point is... Uh, uh, having a, a smart commission structure that'll help you net as much money in your pocket as possible, but also having an agent that doesn't cut corners and has a good track record and has the experience to really make sure the result is as good as it can be. So to answer your question, uh, photos, descriptions, and the way you present 
uh, your listing is absolutely crucial. Uh, I sometimes jokingly, half jokingly, um, you know, compare it to going to a dance. If I'm going to go to a dance and uh, maybe um, it's the kind of market where uh, maybe it's not a seller's market. Maybe I'm going to dance and there's 10, uh, there, there's a, uh, a lot more guys than girls there. Well, it's going to be harder for me to get a dance uh, with a girl if uh, now I'm married for 25 years. So not, <laughs> don't take this literally, but it's a lot harder to get picked for a dance if you don't have, you know, your, your best shirt on and your hair is not combed and, uh, you know, you're, you're cleaned up and shaven and that sort of thing. So you got to remember when you hit the market, it is a bit of a popularity contest. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder and each buyer Excuse me. We'll we'll see things a little bit differently and have different requirements, but you are in competition with the other listings on the market, it and you will be judged. You'll be judged on condition. You'll be judged on the value proposition that you offer. That's why you know an overpriced listing won't sell no matter how nice it is because people may look at it and say, "Hey, this is a great spot," but everything else we looked at is uh, you know two thousand square feet bigger and newer and better. So you have to know who you're competing against. You have to know, uh, you know, what your strengths are that might lead a particular buyer to choose you over one of the other listings. And you have to be in the price point that somebody somewhere in order to, you know, in order to get a sale, you have to convince a buyer that you're worth it. So you want to, part of demonstrating value is showing everything you have in the best possible light. So good photos, 3D tours, good uh, marketing, good advertising uh, is, is key. I think also removing obstacles to a sale is key because buyers are somewhat you know, we're, we're all a little bit maybe scared or timid to make a mistake. And if there are questionable things there that might dampen the enthusiasm a little bit. So, you know, and aside from looking really good on the market, you want to make sure there are no big major distractions or, or detractions that will, that, that will hurt you. So presenting yourself in the best possible light is key on MLS. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. And how healthy could food be when you get it out of a vending machine? Well, apparently very healthy, according to Andrew Ferrara. He's the producer of Vancouver Consumer. And it's time now for our Ask Andrew segment. Now, this is healthy food and it's in a vending machine? I know. It's it's kind of weird. I'm used to getting... I'm partial to Hawkins Cheesies. It's yeah, my, exactly. That's that, what I think of. That's my vending machine go-to. If anybody wants to know, just <laughs> putting that out there. Um, but yeah, so this is a Vancouver-based uh, company. And the company is called Up Meals. Um, and basically what the mock-up looks like, and I'm saying a mock-up because they're looking for customers right now. Uh, they don't have a physical machine yet, but it looks like your generic, you know, like the pop vending machines where the front is like a solid plastic, essentially, menu. Right. It's one of those, except instead of pop, it's like salad bowls. Ugh. And so on the inside of the machine, how I believe this is going to work here... Um, it's going to be refrigerated and they're going to keep fresh veg in it. And then it'll be dropped into, according to whatever you select, uh, either it'll be dropped into or they'll be prepackaged um, veg uh, and protein that'll just be kind of dropped into a, a you know, a reusable or a compostable container. Uh, some of the, the, the offers in the machine, and I'm reading this off of uh, the menu here, uh, a harissa carrot bowl with quinoa lentil tapenade. Ooh, top and nod. Mm. Uh, coconut chicken dragon bowl, which I would eat. Uh, falafel salad bowl, which again I would just devour. Falafels are wonderful. Uh, Mediterranean chicken wrap, um, and these also have uh, heat and serve options as well. Uh, another thing that I really like about uh, this Up Meals uh, group is that they're looking up. They're partnering with Vancouver Food Runners, 
Uh, and if you're unfamiliar with the Vancouver Food Runners, um, they're uh, you know an organization that kind of goes around to restaurants and and and, and stores and rounds up unused meals and redistributes them uh, to folks who need them, right? Uh, since March, and I'm taking this from business in Vancouver, uh, the food runners have rescued uh, over 167,000 pounds of fresh food, uh, you know, food that would have otherwise ended up in a landfill or, or the garbage in order to help feed people. So I think this is a great little, you know, a cute, it's super Vancouver getting a salad bowl from a vending machine. And as much as I like to harp on things being super Vancouver, I think this is wonderful. Uh, if we can tackle, you know, uh, food use and making sure that we, you know, we don't waste too much while providing healthier options that are quick and easy for, you know, slobs like me on the run. Uh, not that I run very much. Um, I think that's wonderful. Uh, again, these guys are called uh, Up Meals. And, you know, it. This, this is actually the more I read about it. This is actually really cool. I really like this. Yeah, because you started with a little bit of contempt because it was salad. Salad. But uh, no, I like. I love the idea of salads. You know, those dishes sound great. I just worry about a machine. <laughs> I I picture like you know the, when they have the the rows of cheesies and then one gets pushed off the ledge. Oh. <laughs> I, I picture you know like a quinoa salad getting pushed over the ledge, but I don't think it's like that. No. It seems like on the menu screen, there's just like it, on the mock-up they have, it's like six menu options. And my guess is that either they'll be pre-packaged or there'll be pre-kind of segregated areas of the machine that will sequentially drop ingredients into the bowl for you. Mm -hmm. I really like this. I think that this is something uh, that Canada really lags behind in, in vending machine technology. Uh, having been to Japan, they do it right. Wow. You can get you can get freshly made noodles out of vending machines in Japan. Oh, neat! Like it is, it's crazy. And it, why don't we do that? We can do it. Yeah, let's do it. And you know what goes great with quinoa salad? Hawkins cheesies.